Welcome to this 820 AM The Word broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the heart of the city. Well, this is Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmstead, the Director of Local Ministry Development for 820 AM The Word. I have a guest uh, with uh, me today. His name is Tom Dushman. He's the Senior Pastor at Gateway Fellowship in Paulsbo. Yeah. And Tom, welcome to Heart of the City. Thank you. It's good to be here. Well, we just had a, a good time. We're recording this uh, on a weekday, and uh, you and me and yeah. Mark, our friends, just had some dim sum over at the International District. Yeah, I still remember the first time you took us there. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was pretty good stuff, isn't <laughs> really it? Really good stuff. <laughs> great day. Beautiful day. It's a great day. So, you know, as as you and I were talking, I love to hear the stories yeah. of of how people have come to faith. And, uh, in fact, at lunchtime, we were kind of talking about the power of story and how the Bible is full of stories of how people came to faith in in God. And uh, Jesus told many stories. And so I wanted to hear your story of how you came to faith because I think it's an encouragement to all. Yeah. And so uh, I know you've been the pastor, uh, been on staff at at, uh, Gateway. For about 30 years. Yeah, just over 30 years. So that just happened in March. Yeah, congratulations. It goes fast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So are, have you always been a Northwest guy? or have you Yeah, come raised from other... in the Pacific Northwest and mostly over in West Bremerton. So back in the day when West High School was West High School. Uh-huh. And so mom raised us um, in kind of the project houses of, of West Bremerton. So those were my beginning days. Yeah. Yeah. So what was life like back then for you? Yeah, it's interesting because I was raised by a single mom, never knew my dad. Mm-hmm. So myself and my four siblings, that, that was our life. And I'm older sister and brother, remember my father. I have no recollection at all. So it was mom mm-hmm. and, uh, and the kids. And so she raised us and, uh, um, mainly in Bremerton. Um, we arrived when I was about three years old, just over, just over three years old. And began our life there. Yeah. And uh, so, was your mom a, a believer? Was there a spiritual formation in your family, or what was what yeah, was that? Uh, good question. Like? So, mom mom didn't become a believer until she and my dad were separated, were split up. Then she came to faith, and uh, I think the whole church experience is really a part of my story, and maybe it's a huge part of why I'm committed to the local church today. So mom arrives in Bremerton. She's got five kids in tow. Five kids. Five. And uh, we happened into a church that wrapped its arms around this single mom and her five kids and loved us and cared for us. Um, That's really where my faith journey begins because at nine years old, um, I was sent to camp. Now, camp then, registration for camp fee, um, was $17. Mm-hmm. So that kind of, you know, dates me just a little bit, right. right? So $17. So somebody paid our $17 registration fee for a week of camp. Now, for mom, that's a great bargain, right? You get rid of kids for a week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but that's yeah. where Jesus really turned my life around. And you know, Chuck, I, I um, can still remember the day. I was nine years old. Um, and the moment. And it's so etched in my mind. It was such a powerful moment at nine years old. So I can remember kneeling at the altar at a camp. And um, 
receiving Jesus, I remember the exact words I said hmm. to this day, and it was just, I surrender to you all of my life. And so that was really the beginning of my faith journey. That, that experience is just etched in my mind. And it's, it's really the time and really the day, I think, when, when God became my father. So as a father was absent in my life. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, life began. Mom was raising us. And mom was a prayer warrior. Hmm. So early in my in my growing years after receiving Jesus, I would hear I, I would hear mom pray. I remember her waking up to her prayers that God would be a father to her children. And um, that's been my experience all these years. So I think we were latchkey kids, maybe even before the term was right. was coined. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were on our own. And uh, later in life, mom had to work. You know, to to support us and raise us, we were we were raised on government cheese, government <laughs> eggs, uh-huh. <laughs> government milk. I can remember going to the food store, and I I didn't understand exactly what it was in. Uh, there wasn't a lot of variety, but the price is right. Right, it right. was free. Right? It was so, free, yeah. But that's what mom did. Uh huh. So, yeah. Well. Tell me about the people in the church. Yeah. I mean, did you were there some men that uh, kind of came alongside of you? Yeah, you know, there was a couple, uh, um, one couple in particular, that they didn't have children, mm-hmm. and we called them Grandma and Grandpa Olfeld, mm-hmm. and they were the ones who who really stepped up and came into into our lives, provided uh, a lot of things for us, helped us along the way. Um, I had uncles, and one particular uncle who just passed away not long ago, who probably more than anything became the father figure in my life. But um, for for me, it was it was, it was mom, and uh, um, you know, it was her influence into my life. And you know, one thing I've thought about more and more and more because I've talked to a lot, a lot of single moms who know my story, and uh, said mom never tried to be anything else but mom. Hmm. And I tell single parents that because sometimes uh, single moms think they have to fill in for the missing father. And I say, don't do that. You just be mom. And, you know, particularly if you're a believer, you let God fill in that other spot, mm. you know, mm-hmm. the missing father. Because that was my experience. And, and uh, so mom was mom. God was our father. And uh, later in my life, I really came to realize that in a, in a moment. Actually, it was that gateway. So now a lot of years have gone down the road. I'm in full-time um, ministry as a pastor, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and Chuck, I can still remember standing in um, our gymnasium. We were celebrating an anniversary, a church anniversary. And we were singing a worship song. I don't even remember what the worship song was. But in that moment, um, it became so real to me. Um, of the answer of my mother's prayers that God would be my father down through those years. And it just settled on me in a way that you just never forget. And her prayers were answered um, and still are being answered to this day. So she passed away last year. Mm. So those are some hard moments. Um, First time I've ever lost a parent. Right. And said goodbye to her, 92 years old. And so this coming Mother's Day will be our first Mother's Day without without my mom. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, it's amazing how the Lord works those things in our lives. Sometimes later in life, you know, yeah. you talk about God being your father, and it was kind of later in life for for me. It's, you talk about those moments yeah. 
I never felt like a man in the sense of like a grown-up man, you yeah. know. And I'm I'm in my 30s and still kind of identifying myself as not fully grown, you sure. know, as a person. And I remember I was listening to the song by Jack Hayford's called I Am a Man. And, you know, it was a men's chorus, yeah. and he's singing and talking about manhood. And singing that song, somehow the Lord just broke in me the idea that y- you are a man, you're a man of God, you're yeah. go- you, you, you've, you've developed and matured into this person, you know. I think many men sometimes still feel like a child in sure. many yeah. ways, but it's amazing how right. you can identify those moments in your life. Yeah, exactly, and there's something there for you. And then, of course, Mom would, uh, I say, drag us to church. Right, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, for us, if the church doors are open— uh, those those douchemen kids were there, right? <laughs> you know, so sometimes that would be late into the evening because we would have services um, that would go for weeks, and they would go every night of the week. Mm. But it was in those moments when I I really felt like um, God spoke to me about what I was to do the rest of my life, mm. and so He planted that desire into my heart to serve, you know, full time. I mean, I, I come from the uh, belief. That everybody is in ministry, right? Right. Some of us do, you know, get get you know to do it, you know, on a full time basis, and we're part of a team or a church team or a church and so right. on. But we're all in ministry. But I remember it was in church on one of those evenings when God really spoke to me about about uh, serving Him in, f- in a full time capacity. How so old were you? Probably about. I was, then. I was in my, my. I wasn't a teenager yet. I was in my eleven or twelve years old. Interesting. Yeah, and so that desire never left me. Huh. And so God just kind of developed that yeah. in my life. Yeah. So how about your teenage years? Yeah. Were they, were they uh, filled with sports? Were they filled oh, with kind of other activities? No, I or? think they were kind of boring, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I did the peewee sports. Right. You know, and I, and I tell people, look, I, I was so good on my peewee football team. I scored 30% of all the touchdowns in one season. Wow. That's a superstar. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Until you understand that our team scored a total of three touchdowns. <laughs> you literally, got one of them. <laughs> literally three touchdowns for the entire season. That's how bad we were. <laughs> we had one team, honest, honest story, that canceled their practice the week leading up to our game with them. <laughs> so that's, that's my... Uh, yeah, that's your sports... My uh, sports history yeah, there. Yeah. But, you know, I worked a lot, so... Um, um, a lot. So mm. I, in my, in my teenage years and in my earlier years, mom was a custodian mm-hmm. and, uh, for a large building and she had that contract. So she took us to work with her. Mm. So I, I wasn't even a teenager and we were helping sweep floors, dump garbages and so on. And so work became my life. So through my teen years and through my high school years, I really went to high school probably part-time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did what I needed to, to do to graduate. Right. And then worked the rest of the time. So that was That would it. have been an interesting relationship yeah. then with your mom yeah. in that you were working along, doing physical labor yeah. alongside of her. So yeah. you could really appreciate the tasks she was doing and yeah, what her and work was Yeah, and she instilled like. in us a work ethic. Uh-huh. Mom was a hard worker. Uh-huh. And then, uh, and then she went to barber school. And then she became a barber. Then she owned her own shop. And then, uh, so. Yeah. Yeah. 
So tell me about uh, your decision to go to Bible school. Did you yeah. go here locally? Yeah, I went here locally. It's where I met my wife and then uh, finished through their online option, um, which really fit us. I, we got married. I became involved in church work in a volunteer way uh, while I was finishing up my, my studies, preparing to go full-time. So our first uh, ministry position was actually up in the San Juans, that church up in Anacortes. So uh, great time, great formative years for me. And then we came to Bremerton. And then in 1988, the lead pastor at Gateway called me up and invited me to join his team. And we really felt like the Lord was leading us there. So we, we moved and joined Gateway and been there ever since. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, you're listening to Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmstead, the Director of Local Ministry Development, and we're speaking with uh, Tom Dushman. He's the Senior Pastor at Gateway Fellowship in Paulsbo. So tell me about Gateway. Yeah. Uh, the church has been in the community for over 100 years. Um, I, I love Gateway, and I love the passion that I believe that community has to serve the local people and to make disciples in all the world. So that's what drives us. That's our passion. Not tell people, and I, I actually say this on Sundays quite a bit, Gateway's not the perfect church um, because we're all part of it. But I pray that we can be a healthy church hmm. where um, you can come in, um, you can fail, someone's going to be there to, to pick you up. You can struggle, struggle in your faith, struggle with some of the questions that we all do, ask questions, um, learn from God's Word. Um, we're a church that's driven um, by just this one thing, that's to make disciples in all the world. So I think that's, that's what characterizes Gateway. Um, has a history of long tenured team members. And so I'm only the third lead pastor since 1955. Wow. And I'm privileged to have uh, Al Munger, who served for 32 years, mm -hmm. Gateway. And I, I believe uh, he and his team and those that surrounded him really um, uh, provide the framework for what's happening now. So I tell people and I, and I tell my team that we all stand on a platform built by somebody else. Mm -hmm. And the platform that I stand on, that we stand on, was built by people who gave their lives, you know, for the for the ministry there in Paulsbo. Um in ways that some of us will never, never yeah. know. Mm -hmm. But they did, and they sacrificed. And so what are we going to do today for the generation coming behind us? I grew up in a, a large four-square church back in Illinois, and I remember the stories of yeah. people who literally mortgaged their homes That's, to help with the church. That happened at Gateway. Yeah. Yep. And you think about that financial sacrifice of people literally mortgaging their homes yeah. to build you know, the facility and to build that congregation. And so you recognize that. Right. I mean, I don't know how many people would do that anymore. Yeah. It's, you know, well, I mean, there are people yeah, that are making sure. sacrifices, but to literally mortgage your house oh, to do it, you know, that's tough. So some incredible stories yeah. of, of how people. And so there is that appreciation, isn't there? Yeah. Well, you and I were t uh, talking over lunch today that, um, you know, the idea of um, of community yeah. and and the idea of kind of a false, you know, you and I are friends on yeah, Facebook, right. but there's that idea of friendship on Facebook, yeah. but yet there's this kind of false community that takes place right. on, on Facebook 
and on other social media that people are really ex- disillusioned in many ways, that they're right. really not having a true friendship experience or a few yeah. uh, a true community experience. What about that for the church? Yeah, you know, we're in a series now called Experience Community. And the second part of that is Find Hope. So Experience Community, Find Hope. And so I've been talking about what, what an authentic community really looks like. And it's a healthy community that really uh, will attract people that you can invite your friends into, and then they find Jesus. Um, but I made the statement, and you kind of touched on it, Chuck, that social media is an illusion of community. Um, I think mostly, not every time, but mostly we see people's highlight reels, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're the people, best of. The best of. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's, it's, not, it's not really the authentic community I think that Jesus calls us into. I think it's part of it. And I love social media. I mean, I, I, I do it all, nearly. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but I, I pray that we'll be able to develop the kind of authentic community at Gateway that people can come in. So, I think what's happening today is I think social media is um, separating us to the point where people are beginning to look for mm. connection and look for community. Because I think they're, we're discovering that it's not really that. It's not really social media. It's not meeting all the needs that we have. And those needs are, I mean, the, the idea of really having yeah. that personal connection right. and actual even yeah. the the physical presence of someone right. else there, and that's that's what concerns me so much about watching a young. I'm going to sound like an old man now, but a younger generation where you you watch them across the table at lunch, and they're both texting and not communicating sure. with each other, and, and there's just this lack of of intimacy in a friendship that's taking place, right. and you say, oh please, you know. Put the phone down and, and talk to sure. that person across yeah. from you. Yeah, and I, you know, I have to be careful of that because I can all of a sudden fall into that. It's sure. so easy nowadays, you know. And so it's real discipline not to do those things. But I believe God calls us into relationship first with himself and then with others. Mm-hmm. And I tell people, um, I, I don't believe that you can be uh, uh, the Christian or the follower of Jesus that God intends for us without being connected physically in a community of believers. Hmm. Now, that 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 may be five or six. I mean, it doesn't have to be. It's not large or small. Right. But I think Jesus calls us to be connected with one another. I don't think you could be connected with the head and not be connected with the body. Because mm-hmm. I call that a freak. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I, I tell people this. I, I've said this for the platform. You can get better worship online than at Gateway. Hmm. And I, I tell you what, our team kills it. They, they do. I mean, Jason and the team, I love it. You can get better teaching that, uh, online you, you can at Gateway. And I know that's true because I listen to it. Right, right. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. On KGNW. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, um, but, but you can't get a hug mm-hmm. online. So you can't have somebody um, wrap their arms around you when you're struggling and when you've had those moments of failure and say, look, it's going to be okay. You can't get that online. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I think that we're called into authentic community. So let's do this thing together. Yeah. Well, that's so important. You know, we talk about that and and these national ministries that, for example, that we have on KGNW, these pastors would 
all of them would say the same yeah. thing you're saying now. Listen, you can listen to me on the radio, you know, these national ministries, whether it's Alistair Begg or Greg Laurie, but, right. but listen, when you're sick or your mom's in the hospital, I can't come visit you, right. you know, and I can't marry or bury, you know, a family yeah. member. You know, this is where the local church and local pastor and local community yeah. can really touch people's yeah. lives. And that's what Gateway's been doing. I, I was online and, and saw 100, uh, 1909 is when Gateway, for the, the, yeah. the beginnings of Gateway started. So a hundred a long time ago. 109 years. Yeah, that's a long time ago. And it you is. Know, it's interesting because um, the longest attending member of Gateway passed away about five years ago. His name was Leonard. And so he says, Tom, let me tell you where the true beginnings of Gateway um, where Gateway started, out on Big Valley, started by a woman. Hmm. Yeah, so um, we often talk about our beginning days being downtown Paulsville, but it was really one step before then. Mm-hmm. So thank God for um, those beginning days, sacrifice of so many. Yeah, we've got about three minutes. Yeah. What are the values of having a multi-generational church like oh. you have? Wow, um, Stability. And you only have three minutes, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know, we embrace uh, multi-generational. So uh, we have a multi-generational team. Um, um, our children's pastor, who I think is the greatest ever, I'm biased. Right. Right. Um, when we recruited her to come to Gateway, she would only come if we were a multi-generational church. Hmm. Because the value of, of those who have been there before. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, sometimes we, ha- we can have a tendency to go, oh, you know, um, it's our turn now. Let us have it. But when we learn to bring, bring those in who have been down the road and we begin to listen to the wisdom mm-hmm. um, that they can offer and the been there, done that, and the prayers. And I mentioned that, you know, Al Mugger, the lead pastor from, in 1952, still attends. I'll tell you what, it's amazing to sit with him. I had him come in and lead one of our team chapels. So we do that on a regular basis. And after it was over, I don't know how many team members said we we could have listened to him all day. Mm -hmm. And Al talked about the early days and talked about the struggles. And that just fed us. Mm -hmm. And really what he was saying is, I know the struggle that you've been through. See, there's only a guy who's been down the road can say that. Mm-hmm. I know where you're at. I know about your discouraging days. Uh, know about the good times, and that uh, you're going to be okay. Yeah. Well, it's someone who has proved the faithfulness of God in right. their life. They've you've right. see, they've experienced it, and through the good seasons and bad, the yeah. Lord has been faithful. We've got about one minute left, and as you as you, what would you say your life theme is as far as your story is concerned? Wow, life theme. I think I think if I were to kind of just boil that that down, um, really comes to um, something I shared with one of my team members just last week, and that I, want, I just want to live to make a difference in somebody's life. And honestly, Chuck has been one of the things that's been in on my mind oh, the last number of weeks. That question: Am I making a difference? And is Gateway making a difference? And God help us to do that. We know we can't do it on our own, otherwise it's just, it's, it's in vain. But somehow, some way, yeah, making life better for people. Amen. Well, as I listen to you and tell your story and I see the emotion in you, Tom, 
I recognize that the Lord has been a father to you all yeah. these years, and you had a great mom, a praying mom, yeah. and that's a challenge to the parents out there who are growing their kids to continue to invest in their lives because the fruit of that is going to end up being guys like Tom Dushman from Gateway Fellowship who are serving the Lord and ministering to others. So <clears throat> I want to thank you for joining me today on Heart of the City. God bless you, brother. Thank you. listening to this 820 AM, the word special heart of the city. For more information on how your pastor or your ministry can be featured on 820 AM, the word call Chuck Olmstead 206-269-6216 or go to thewordseattle.com.